I'm going to ask you to pull out your Bibles. Hmm. Or pull out your iPhones or your iPads or your tablets or whatever it is you have. Some of you may have this memorized. There's uh, Bibles up here at the front uh, around that you're welcome to come and get if you'd like to follow along, but I'd love for you to read with me this morning from God's Word. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. This is a portion of the Sermon on the Mount, and we've come to call this first little portion of Scripture, the Beatitudes. That's where we're going to be focused for the next eight weeks. The keys to a blessed life are found in the Beatitudes. And this week, we're looking at, it depends on who you depend on. It really depends on who you depend on. So, in this church, we believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. It's the only standard we have for our faith and for our life. So listen as we read from God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, he sat up on a mountainside, went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I intend for us to begin each week with reading that same passage. Some of you may be able to commit it to memory over those eight weeks. It's amazing what we can commit to memory. We were in prison alpha on Friday and had a time of of sharing with one another uh, and praying with one another and and one of the guys asked well how did we continue this after you stopped coming and we were talking about prayer we were talking about reading God's word the two ways prayer we talk to God God's word he talks to us And one young man said that he would like to give us encouragement, if if we wouldn't mind. And he recited to us the entire chapter 8 from Romans, all 39 verses, without a mistake. I mean, we can do it if, if we set our minds to it. So perhaps some of you will want to... Uh, memorize the Beatitudes. What a great portion of Scripture uh, as we go through this series in the coming weeks. Let's uh, begin with prayer. Come, come Holy Spirit. Lead us into the truth of your word. 
and then apply it to our hearts. We know that you want to bless us. You want to bless our lives, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. You want to bless our marriages and our families and our relationships, our work, our health, our studies, our service. Help us to pay attention to what Jesus says, particularly about receiving the blessing that you want to give us. We want to live blessed lives. So show us how. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're looking at the first key of these eight keys, the key to receiving God's blessing. And as I just intimated there, God wants to bless our lives. But in order for him to bless our lives, we have to be, I don't know whether this is a word or not, blessable. We have to be blessable people. And some of you don't live lives that God can bless God isn't going to bless sin in your life. God isn't going to bless arrogance. God isn't going to bless indifference. There's a lot of things. We could list many more that God will not, cannot bless. And Jesus understands this. That's why he taught us how to become blessable people. So if you want to live a blessed life, then, then here's how you do it. Let's start by looking back at Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read the first couple of verses to you again here. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying... And what was the first word out of his mouth? Blessed. Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We've been talking a lot around here lately about the kingdom of God. And we pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus is going to teach us here how to live like kingdom people, how to experience God's kingdom blessings here on earth. We don't have to wait till we get there. How to experience that here? In essence, he's saying kingdom people are blessed when they are poor in spirit. But what does that mean? What does that phrase, poor in spirit, mean? Jesus isn't talking about economic poverty or material poverty. Jesus is talking about spiritual poverty poverty, about maintaining a certain kind of attitude. And frequently I will use different translations with you here, and this, this is helpful today when we look at the New Living Translation of that same verse. It says, God blesses those who realize their need for him. God blesses those who realize their need for him. In other words, the person who's poor in spirit says, I'm inadequate to live my life without God. I'm a spiritually needy person. 
I need God to get me through this life. I can't do it by myself. Psalm 146, verse 5 says this. I think you'll find it in your handouts there. The Lord God blesses everyone who trusts him and depends on him. So this is like the first condition for God's blessing on your life. You've got to trust him. You've got to depend on him. And that's what it means to be poor in spirit. But here's my working definition for us to use. It's this. To be poor in spirit means I humbly depend on God instead of myself. It's a pretty easy definition. I humbly depend on God instead of depending on myself. So if I want God's blessings on my relationship, then I've got to be dependent upon God. If I want God's blessings on my work, on my business, on my studies, on my finances, on my health, I've got to humbly depend on God instead of depending on myself. And how do I do that? How do I humbly depend on God instead of myself? Well, there's five practical ways to do this. There's probably 25 practical ways, but we're going to look at five of them today that I think are in the first tier. Five practical ways to become a blessable man or woman. Five ways to express my dependence on God. And the first one is this. I depend on God's wisdom not my own. I depend on God's wisdom, not my own. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that seems right to us, but in the end it turns out wrong. It's a dead end. It leads to death, that scripture says. We've all had this experience one way or another, I think. At some point in our lives, something felt right. You just knew it was right. You knew in your bones that this was the right thing to do. You felt it with all of your heart. Yes, this is, this is what I should do. And when you did it, when you walked down that road, it ended up very, very, very wrong. It was a dumb thing to do. And in some cases, it became a total fiasco, a total failure. We can all think, I believe, particularly if we're honest with one another, we can all think of painful experiences like that, where we wished we had listened to God instead of listening to our gut. The truth is, the truth is that our feelings lie to us all the time. Feelings lie, but God doesn't. You can always rely on God to tell you the truth. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Several of you I've heard in Alpha said that this is your favorite verse. This is your life verse. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. This is the New Living Translation. says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will direct your paths. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. I love that. Instead, respect the Lord and turn your back on evil. So if you really want God's blessings in your life, the first thing is 
I depend on God's wisdom. Not what I'm feeling. Not what my feelings say to me. Not what my friends say to me. Not what my family says to to me. Not even what I think. I trust God's wisdom with all my heart. So how do you get God's wisdom? I just talked about that earlier. We, We did the same thing in Prison Alpha. There's two ways. You pray, you talk to God, and you read God's Word. You let God talk to you. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should pray and ask God, who gives it generously and graciously to all. Isn't that a great verse? He gives it to everybody. It's not reserved for a few. He gives it to everybody. All you have to do, all I have to do, is ask for it. God wants you to succeed in your life. I don't know where we get this feeling that God's out to to do us in. He's just waiting for us to make a mistake, and then he's going to come down on us with his his thumb and, and smash us into the ground. God wants you to succeed in your life. He wants you to make smart decisions with your time and with your money and with your relationships and with everything else, everything that's a part of your life. God wants to give you wisdom. You just have to ask him before you act, I might say. Yeah, you've been there, huh? If you're not talking to God throughout the day, if you're not reading God's word on a regular basis, then you're not depending on God's wisdom at all. You're depending on your own wisdom. And that's why you have so many problems. You're wondering why you have problems? That's it. That's why you end up with so much pain in your life. You see, God's wisdom and God's will are in God's Word. God's wisdom... And God's will can be found in God's Word. If you're not in the Word, you don't know what God's will is. And if you're not in the Word, you don't have God's wisdom. And if you don't have God's wisdom, you can't be blessed. You're not a blessable person. I've got to pray. I've got to talk to God. And I've got to read. I've got to let God talk to me. And there's a second way to depend on God. I depend on God's strength, not my own. I depend on God's strength, not my own. Sometimes I get really tired. I don't know about you. At the end of the day, I feel like I'm running on fumes, just hardly going to make it. I'm completely worn out. Why? Because my strength is finite. God's strength is infinite. My strength is exhaustible. His strength is inexhaustible. God never runs out of power. He never, ever gets tired. Psalm 85, 84, verse 5 says, the psalmist is talking here. He says, you bless all who depend on you, God, for their strength. You bless all who depend on you for their strength. If we want God's blessings in our lives... We need to depend on God for the strength in our life. And God makes this point throughout the Bible. We could could spend a week here looking at examples in the Bible 
of this particular thing, but I, I pulled two out for you, only two, that I found particularly helpful to me. The first is Psalm 71, verse 16, from the Living Bible. This is a great verse for you to memorize. It's good for young people, old people. It's easy to memorize. Matter of fact, we can do it, we can do it right now. Psalm 71, 16. Say that with me. Psalm 71, 16. And this is the verse. I walk in the strength of the Lord. Psalm 71, 16. I walk in the strength of the Lord. You got it? That one's pretty simple. It's almost as easy as Jesus wept. <laughs> Psalm 71, 16. I walk in the strength of the Lord. See, that's an affirmation. An affirmation. When you get up in the morning and you want to go right back to bed like you did this morning, and you don't have enough energy to get started for the day, you say, I walk in the strength of the Lord. Say it with me. I walk in the strength of the Lord. This will be like a political rally, okay? When you go to school or work or whatever, and you have the first conflict of the day, you say, I walk in the strength of the Lord. And later when you get that phone call and it's bad news, and you're frustrated and scared and it creates anxiety and stress, you say, I walk in the strength of the Lord. And at the end of the day when you're running out of gas and there's still a lot more to do, you say to yourself, I walk in the strength of the Lord. And when you go to bed at night and you put your head down on the pillow and all those things that you didn't get done and, and all the worries and fears and the loneliness and all the other things that tend to weigh you down come to your mind, you say, I walk in the strength of the Lord. That's the kind of man, that's the kind of woman that God blesses. I walk in the strength of the Lord. I do the right thing with the right power. I do the right thing with the right power. And some, sometimes God uses our weaknesses, doesn't he, to cause us to become even more dependent on him. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, the Apostle Paul is writing this, and he says, Three times I begged God to take away my weakness. Each time God said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So, Paul says, I now gladly boast. I boast about how weak I am, because when I'm weakest, the power of Christ works in me and shows up through me. When I am weak, then I am strong. And that's the paradox of depending on God. The weaker you are, the more you depend on God. And the more you depend on God, the stronger you become. You do the right thing, but you do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in your own power. Never works that way. People who are blessed by God, people who are poor in spirit, depend on God's wisdom, and they depend on God's strength. And number three, I depend on God's timing, not my own. God's timing. Timing is important in every aspect of our life. I think particularly about sports. It's easy to see there. The difference between a professional pitcher and an amateur pitcher pitcher is timing. The difference between a professional golfer 
and an amateur golfer is timing. And you can see it in things like cooking, too. A professional cook knows that it takes exactly 37 seconds to produce the perfect Pop-Tart out of the toaster. <laughs> you see it in all areas of your life. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 31, 14, I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hands. And the Bible tells us that there are seasons in our lives. You know that scripture from Ecclesiastes. There's seasons in our lives. And one of those seasons, one of those seasons is the season of waiting. Nobody likes to wait. Do you like to wait? I don't like to wait. It seems like nothing is happening when we wait. But that's not true. That's where our feelings get us in trouble. You see, God is working in our lives during those seasons of waiting. So while I'm waiting, God is working. While I am waiting, God is working. We're going to spend a lot of our lives waiting. And if you don't learn to trust God during those seasons of waiting, you're going to spend a lot of time as sad, miserable people. Have you ever had an occasion occur where you were in a hurry and God wasn't? <laughs> it's like driving behind a tourist on vacation. Yeah, no place to go. All the time in the world, while all you're trying to do is run down to Publix to pick up something real quick. That happened to you? It's happened to me. It happened to me Friday. We're always in a hurry. We live fast-paced lives. When I drive through a fast food restaurant, I pay at the first window, and I expect to see my food come out of that second window, and I don't even want to wait 30 seconds for it. We're always in a hurry. But you know what? God's never in a hurry, is he? God's eternal he has the big picture in mind. He's, he's watching, and he's working, and he's waiting for us to trust him. God has a different way for us to live. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11 says this, God has set the right time for everything. The right time for everything. Some of you are in a season of waiting right now, today. You're waiting for school to end, teachers and students. Are you waiting for a man or a woman to come into your life? Or are you waiting for your marriage to happen? Or are you waiting for a baby to come? Maybe you're waiting on a new job, or you're waiting to retire, or you're waiting for your health to improve. You're in a season of waiting. And here's a promise from the Bible that tells you not only that God is working, but also how God is working. Isaiah 60, verse 22 says, I am the Lord, and when it is time, I will make these things happen quickly. I am the Lord. And when it is time, I will make these things happen quickly. 
The waiting drives us crazy. We wait and wait and wait for something, and then all of a sudden, God just gives it to us. And you know, sometimes, I'll speak for myself, sometimes that can be overwhelming. But isn't that exactly how God works? That's how he worked in sending Jesus into the world. The Bible tells us the world waited for thousands of years for Jesus to come that first time. But at just the right time, Jesus came into the world. And you know what? We've been waiting for another 2,000 years for Jesus to come again. When is he going to come a second time? He's going to come at God's right time. We can't hurry it along at all. That's when he's going to come. We wait while God works. And remember, I've told you this, oh gosh, 10 or 12 times. A delay is not a denial. Mark that one down if you don't do anything else. A delay is not a denial. We may think God's saying no when God is really saying not yet. God is saying, will you trust me through this? Micah 7, 7 says, I trust the Lord God to save me and I will wait for him to answer my prayer. I will wait for him. If you want God's blessing, you've got to learn this truth. Spiritual power means I don't do it myself. I depend on God's wisdom. I depend on God's strength. I depend on God's timing. You see, God always gives his best. Not just good. He always gives his best to those who wait. God will answer when he's ready to answer. And when he knows that I am ready for him to answer. So I'm going to trust him. We depend on God's wisdom. We depend on God's strength and his timing. And here's another way to practice depending on God uh, so that we can receive God's blessings in our lives. Number four, I depend on God's defense, not my own. I depend on God's defense. There will always be people in your life who misunderstand you. I don't care how carefully you try to communicate. There'll be people that misunderstand you. There'll always be people who don't like you. There'll always be people who will criticize you and judge you and attack you and gossip about you and spread rumors about you. Even if you were perfect, there would still be people who misunderstood you. Jesus was perfect, and a lot of people misunderstood him. They didn't like him. And sad to say, sometimes it's the people closest to you, the people who love you most, the people you live with, perhaps. You're still going to be misunderstood by them because we live in a broken world. It's not a perfect world yet. So what do you do when you're misunderstood? Well, our human tendency is to get in there and defend ourselves. They attack you, and you attack them right back with vengeance. 
You've heard that old football adage that says the best defense is a good offense. Well, that might work in football, but it doesn't work for people who want God's blessing in their lives. Let God be your defender. Don't defend yourself. You're most like Jesus when you say nothing in the face of attack, in the face of unjust, unfair criticism, in the face of lies about you. You're most like Jesus when you say absolutely nothing. You remain silent. And you think to yourself, I'm going to put this into God's hands and let Him be my defender. I'm not going to fight back. Jesus depended on God as His defender. And if if I want to experience God's blessings in my life, I need to defend God. I need to depend on God to defend me as well. You see, I am most like Jesus when I don't defend myself. I'm most like Jesus when I don't defend myself. Psalm 62, verse 5. This is one of David's psalms. If you look at people in the Bible that were were, uh, persecuted, were were, uh, unjustly accused... Uh, David was certainly one of those criticized his, his entire life. And Psalm 62, 5 through 7 gives us five metaphors that David wrote down for God's protection. It says this, I depend on God alone to put, I put my hope in Him. He alone protects and saves me. He is my defender and I shall never be defeated. My salvation and honor depend on God. He is my strong protector. He is my shelter. Notice those five metaphors. I think I may have them underlined in your, in your hand out there. David says he's my protector. He's my savior. He's my defender. He's my victor. And he's my shelter. David says no matter what people are saying about you, God will handle it. He will handle it for me, and he will handle it for you. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. You say, God, I'm I'm not depending on myself. I'm depending on you. I depend on your wisdom. I depend on your strength, on your timing, on your defense, not my own. And that's the kind of person that God wants to bless. And finally, a person who is poor in spirit depends on God for their finances. I depend on God's wealth, not my own. I depend on God's wealth, not my own. One of the greatest sources of stress in our lives is anxiety about money, isn't it? Studies show that financial pressure is the number one cause of divorce in America today. Money is the number one anxiety-producing issue. Worry about money keeps people awake at night, all night, and it causes people to do all kinds of stupid things. But blessed people, blessed people depend on God's wealth, not their own for security. Why is that important? Because our sources of wealth can be here today and gone tomorrow. 
Our bank accounts can go broke. Our investments can go bust, and, and our jobs can be lost. The more we, we rely on all these things for our security, the more insecure we actually become. Isn't that true? The more we have, the more we have to worry about. But blessed people have a different way of looking at their security. People who are poor in spirit put their security in something that can't be taken away from them. They put their security in God himself. Philippians 4.19 says this about God's wealth. My God will supply all my needs from his abundant wealth because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. I depend on how much God has, not on how much I have to be secure, to deliver me from anxiety. You see, my job is a pipeline, but God is the source let me tell you what I mean by that. If, if you went home today and you flipped on your faucet in the kitchen and no water came out, what would you do? Would you wring your hands and say, Oh my, there's no water left in the whole wide world. Of course. Of course not. You know that the problem's not... Uh, the source, but the problem is this distribution point in your, in your house. There's plenty of water in the world. It's all around the world. The problem is the pipeline. The pipeline has gotten blocked one way or another. See, God's not limited to your ability or to your capacity. If you think that your job is what keeps you financially secure, let me give you a little hint here you're going to be insecure for the rest of your life your job is not what keeps you financially secure living poor in spirit means I realize that God is the source of my supply and I depend on God's wealth for my needs my God shall supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus I'm going to trust in him God's going to handle it jobs may come and jobs may go bank accounts may come and go markets and economies can go up and down it doesn't matter my source of supply is God so here's the first key the first key to a blessed life I don't depend on my wisdom I don't depend on my strength. I don't depend on my timing. I don't depend on my defending myself. I don't depend on my wealth. Instead, I trust God in all of these areas. You know, April 15th just passed, didn't it? Sad day in our house. Uh, just passed and your deadline for filing taxes came and it's gone now if you... You, you better do an extension if you haven't done it yet. Imagine what would it would be like if God were filling out a, an income statement, a wealth statement, a tax form. Would God declare you as a dependent? Or would he say, 
he would consider you to be one of those people out there kind of on your own, making your own way. So I want to do a little test with you, a little dependency test, and you'll need your handout. You can use the handout that you have right here, and by each one of these, one, two, three, four, five, I want you to put a, a plus mark if you think you're doing pretty well in that area. You're depending on God in that area. And I want you to put a minus mark if you need more work on that area, and maybe you could begin it this week. So I depend on God's wisdom, not my own, meaning I talk to God throughout the day and read the Bible every day. I, I talk with God about my decisions and choices and follow through as he leads me to do. You put a plus if you're doing well, a minus if you need work. Number two, I depend on God's strength, not my own. I walk in the strength of the Lord. I accept my own weakness and do the right thing with God's power. A plus or a minus. Number three, I depend on God's timing, not my own. I'm a patient person. I accept God's timing and, and don't try to take matters into my own hands. Can you put a plus? Or do you need to put a minus? Number four, I depend on God's defense, not mine. I, I ignore gossip. I ignore criticism and personal attacks. My concern is what God thinks about me, not what others think. Put a plus or a minus. And number five, I depend on God's wealth, not my own. I don't worry about my finances. God is my source of security, and he will provide for me. Give yourself a plus or a minus. And as you look at those, what do you need to keep on doing? What are you doing well, and you need to keep on doing those things? What do you need to work on beginning this week? What is it that's making you a blessable person? And what's blocking God's blessing in your life? That's kind of your assignment for this coming week, your next step, if you will. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you work through it. And on the back of your handout, I've got something new this week. It's called Let's Talk It Over. And it's just three simple little questions with some scripture there. You may want to look at these and... And do this as a devotion for you three days during this week. You may want to get together with a couple other people. I know some, some of you meet in groups for coffee or go over to one another's house. and uh, You could take this and kind of do a replay of today's message. And there's some questions there you can ask. You can delve into those scriptures a little further. Uh, we're going to be sending this out. It should be in your inbox when you get home. The same thing that you can look at for the people that weren't here they can look at it as well hopefully I'm going to try this a couple of weeks and we'll see if I get feedback from you that it's helpful we'll continue if not then well I don't, I don't need to keep doing it if it's, if it's not helpful but it's there for you hopefully it'll help us grow I'd like to end with you reading with me Matthew 5 verse 3 I think it's up here Matthew 5 verse 3 Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's do that one more time. I don't think you were ready. Matthew 5, 3. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father God, I am I'm a spiritually needy person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit here today and help me to become ever more dependent on you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Amen.